Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast, the weekly podcast where longtime friends invite you in to talk about sports, brews, and shenanigans. Today's episode, we'll discuss college football, a little baseball, and a uh, beer, bourbon, and barbecue festival that we uh, we recently partook in. Um, this Your sports nuts this week are Chris Collette, who's coming to us from Manchester, Tennessee. Chris, introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, Chris, work at a car factory, do supply chain management there. Big sports fan. I like the Braves, Titans, Preds. UT, men's sports. Yeah, that's me. Uh, married, one and a half kids. The other half should be here in a month. So, <laughs> looking forward to it. All right. And we also have Matt Hickey Hickman coming to us from Knoxville, Tennessee. Matt, tell the fine folks in podcast land a little bit about yourself. Good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Matt Hickman from East Tennessee originally. Uh, proud to be a... Uh, Long-suffering Vols fan, at least the past 20 years. Although I consider myself a, uh, a UT football realist. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, your resident... <laughs> Pessimism <laughs> is realism these days. Uh, and your resident uh, Tom Brady discounter as well. Car nut as well. And uh, like these other two fine fellas, a proud father and husband. Well, welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. I'm Logan Bryant, the host of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast. I'm recording from Knoxville, Tennessee, sports aficionado, um, but really just like kicking back with these two guys I went to college with and talking a little uh, little sports, a little beer, um, and then some shenanigans that we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, so first, guys. Let's see if we can make sense of this past week. Our Making Sense of the Week segment is sponsored by Edward Jones. Edward Jones Advisors can help work with you to help you understand the impact of short-term events and how to be positioned for the long term. Edward Jones provides the tools for a reasoned, disciplined approach to investing. Call 865-988-7560 to schedule a face-to-face appointment today. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SPIC. So, gentlemen, first topic today, we're going to start off big, the SEC East. Let's see if we can make some sense of the SEC East. Uh, we've got some predictions out there. Uh, the media did theirs coming off of Media Day uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, Their uh, media prediction puts Georgia first, Florida second, Missouri, then South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vandy. Of those teams, who do we think is the most overrated uh, I'll take that question. I I would definitely go with Missouri. Uh, they got three first place votes. Not sure how that happened. Uh, they got a bowl ban this year, so when things start going south, they could go very south. <laughs> uh, and their ceiling is very limited, in my opinion, because of that bowl ban. So I'm going Missouri all day on this one. So you think their ceiling is limited by the bowl ban, not because of their offensive coordinator? Um, him too. <laughs> For those who don't know, Missouri's offensive coordinator this year, they decided to hire a uh, a former Dallas Cowboys wide receivers coach, former Tennessee head coach, former Louisiana Tech head coach, Derek Dooley. Hickman, what's your favorite Derek Dooley memory? Uh, I've tried to block out those years, but uh, <laughs> definitely uh, 
when he one-handed grabbed that pass uh, that one that Tyler Bray just chucked over everybody's head, and uh, you know the coach managed to catch it. That was probably the highlight of uh, of Derek Dooley's entire tenure. There weren't uh, many. No, no, there weren't. I, I do remember uh, early on when they they beat Ole Miss in 2010. I thought, yep, they're going to be good. I was wrong. Wrong. Could you imagine how many more wins Tennessee had if he just could have caught a couple of those Zima bottles Tyler Bray was throwing? <laughs> okay, that was a great Derek Dooley quote that said, I'm not so sure if I should be worried about Tyler Bray throwing Zima bottles at, or beer bottles at cars or the fact that he only hit three out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. Hickman, we know you, uh, you are kind of in love with Missouri, mainly because you hate Florida. Um, but Chris is thinking Missouri's overrated. I assume you're going to go with the counterpart there that's deep south. Um, who's the most overrated team in the SEC East to you? Yeah, I'm, I am going to go with Florida, mostly because I think the SEC East, apart from Georgia, is hot garbage. Florida Ooh. Florida gets pushed uh, you know, into this upper echelon. Now, last year they had, what, they had 10, 10 wins uh, and won a big bowl game. Now, if you look at their schedule and their season a little more closely, those included uh, – a, a ton of one score or, or one score win, wins in close games. And they're two, two signature wins were at the end of the season when they beat Florida state 41 to 14 and Florida state was just awful. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were not a done poorly coached. Everybody was hurt. That doesn't count for much. Then they beat Michigan who had absolutely, you know, given up on the season. So I think they're overrated a lot of because of the way last season ended, they looked good when other teams they played were just awful. So, uh, yeah, they're they're not a top ten team. They're they're closer to uh, I think they're closer to seven and seven and five than they are eleven and one. I think Florida's a team that's returning most of their people. Um, another year under Mullen's belt there in Florida, ton of talent there. Um, I don't think they can beat Georgia. I don't think they honestly really challenge Georgia this year. Um, but I do think they're probably pretty squarely in that second spot. And this is coming from a Kentucky fan who broke the streak against Florida last year. Love for them to do it again this year at home, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, so I think after we have Georgia, um, who's probably going to run the table, um, in the sec, but also probably in their whole schedule, we got Florida, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky, can we all agree that Vandy's just hot, hot garbage there at the bottom of the SEC East? Absolutely. I'm, we... I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hold before buying. <laughs> I, I genuinely think that uh, it's – I think last place will definitely be a team from the volunteer state. Uh, <laughs> it, it could possibly be the good guys. Hickman, what are you drinking tonight? LaCroix, and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> So therefore, your opinion should be null and void for the rest uh, of the evening. I mean, I, I just don't see what improvement we have. Like, like I, I mean, another year there's still no offensive line. There's no, there's no offensive or defensive line on this team unless everybody's healthy uh, offensively. And if everyone is healthy defensively, they could still run dive left and dive right against Tennessee and and have 200 yards. I, I just, I just don't see where where it's. I don't think the talent is there yet. And yeah. Chris, do you think Pruitt's the guy that turned the ship around at UT? Uh, I have no clue. Uh, I know he's better than Butch Jones. That's for damn sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll agree. I'll agree. 
I mean, I, I get tired of listening to Butch Jones' spin on every loss, and oh, Pruitt, Pruitt kind of tells it like it is, which uh, that, that feeds right into what I like, because I shoot it straight for the good or bad, so uh, I like him for that. He's recruiting okay. Uh, it's one hell of a rebuild. Uh, realistically, Tennessee's still at least two years from being competitive in the SEC East, but I think they will improve this year. Well, I ask because one coach that I don't think is safe this year, um, you guys have heard me say this before, but I feel like Will Muschamp is going to be is living out his last days in South Carolina the right now. They, for some reason, decided they wanted to have one of the hardest schedules in the SEC East. I don't think they're going to start off very well. Um, and I think the wheels come off pretty quick and Muschamp's gone. Chris, I know for some reason you think Muschamp's a good coach, but, um, you know, what do you think about South Carolina this year? Uh, good coach is kind of relative to South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's the perfect coach for them because he's going to get more talent than they could otherwise have. Uh, they're going to win seven games, pretty much guaranteed you can pencil them in. They're going seven and five. I don't know which teams they're going to beat, which teams they'll lose to. They'll find a way to make it to seven and five. They'll get to a bowl game. Uh, they'll get their fan base all riled up like they have a chance against Clemson in their last game of the regular season. And then Clemson will thump them and they'll be like, oh, it's basketball season, in which we still suck. Uh, yeah, I just I, I think he's a good enough coach for South Carolina, as long as the fan base is okay with seven and five, which I've seen a South Carolina team go winless in a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm amazed so by your seven-win prediction. Um, not to make this all about Louisiana Tech, but the second Louisiana Tech sighting in the first Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast, South Carolina beat Louisiana Tech by one point last year at home. So I think your prediction of they're guaranteed or easily going to win seven games, um, I think the wheels could fall off pretty quick and they go bowless this coming year. You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I totally agree that um, I, if if he gets fired, I think it has more delu- to do with South Carolina delusion than it does with uh, performance. They're not Clemson. They're not, you know, they're 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 not uh, an A list team. They're not a like a B minus, maybe maybe C plus. South Carolina did not win a bowl game until 1994. In the school's <laughs> entire history, okay, taken <laughs> with the facts, and they, you know, their 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 best seasons were without a doubt. They had Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier back to back, which is pretty solid, given who they were. Um, but the greatest coach in South Carolina history before that was like Sparky Woods or something. South Carolina's got to know who they are. Sparky they Woods fired... is not a real person, by the way. Oh, okay. yeah, he's he's. I think he's the name of a fancy. He probably he probably roomed with Turd Ferguson in college. A <laughs> Wall wrote songs about him. Friend of the podcast, <laughs> Alan Wallace. Um, anyway, South Carolina needs to know who they are, and no, uh, Will Muschamp. I agree with Chris. Great fit. Well, let's take this approach. Put yourself in an eighteen-year-old uh, body. You're a SEC caliber recruit. Pick whatever position you think you could have played in college. Your recruit, where do you go, Matt Hickman? Well, what? Who? I mean, I can go anywhere. Anywhere in the SEC East, 
let's imagine you were probably what a left guard in high school yeah that's about right um anywhere in the sec east well obviously i'm going to go to tennessee but uh if i if i if i remove the emotional element of it it's georgia no question i've got the best shot to go to the nfl at georgia i'm going to play for winning teams i'm going to have better coaches no question is georgia next i think you need to go to a school with a little pedigree is where i would look um so uh florida or tennessee would be your next would be your next choice um not missouri not vanderbilt vanderbilt probably not kentucky <laughs> chris i don't know Sorry. what what your athletic abilities were like in high school but in college well, on the intermediate <laughs> well at the college intramural level you were one heck of a free safety legendary um so free safety chris collette at 18 where are you going in the sec east i think i would be going to georgia uh as hickman said it's the easiest path to the nfl um if you can get on the field there you can get on the you can get on a team in the nfl after that i would definitely go tennessee uh I, I would rather just not play to go to florida missouri kentucky or <laughs> vanderbilt so <laughs> And in South Carolina too. So it's uh, it's really Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, Georgia's just infinitely better right now than Tennessee. Uh, if I went to Tennessee, I would have that fear that I'm just going to waste three to four years of my life. So I would pick Georgia. I think you guys, I think you guys are crazy rolling with Tennessee because you have to imagine 18 year old self has never seen Tennessee be good or relevant. So other than living in Tennessee, I can't imagine what's pulling you there. If I were 18 in high school, I was a free safety backup quarterback and a punter. Um, so if I was punting in the SEC East, I might be going to Tennessee. I might be going to Vanderbilt, to be honest with you. <laughs> I got to get something. I got to get something out of uh, out of college. I mean, everybody's going to pick Georgia, but I think now they kind of have this stigma that their kickers have to have thick black rim glasses and look like total geeks. Um, I can't be going that route. So I'm probably going to Vandy. If I was a defensive player, I would have a hard time picking between Florida and honestly, probably Kentucky. Looking back at last year, um, you know, all the defensive players they had recruited, Josh Allen, the top 10 recruit, knowing Mark Stoops is, you know, going to make sure the offense doesn't lose the game and expect the defense to win it. Um, you know, my problem at Georgia is it's almost like going to Alabama. Once you get stuck down that depth chart, you may be ruined. Uh, but I know I'm probably going to play if I roll into Kentucky. Florida's got all kinds of athletes. Um, but there is no nothing in this world that would make me even consider Missouri. And I'd have to offer I have to be offered a whole lot of money to go to South Carolina, I think. They might do uh, it. Who knows? <laughs> if they had it. Um, now, one thing, we're not going to do this very often. Um, we're going to talk mostly sports on this podcast. Um, as you can probably imagine, we're big football buffs like basketball. We're actually going to talk a little baseball on this podcast. Um, but whenever the three of us get together, we're definitely going to mention it. So last weekend, we had the opportunity to get together for the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival. I guess it's a traveling festival that happened to be in Knoxville last weekend. So we showed up. Uh, we got there about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you walk in, they hand you a little glass, and then there's just beer and bourbon vendors all over the place, and it's a free-for-all until 6 o'clock when your Uber comes and takes you home. <laughs> 
Um, so of everything that we end up trying last week in those that four-hour whirlwind, Chris, what was your favorite thing you tasted? I'm going to have to go with the uh, Country Boy Brewing uh, Cougar Bait. Yeah. Uh, that was, I, I don't drink bourbon, didn't try any bourbon. Uh, so it was straight, had to go to beer. And it was one of the few booths that had something besides an IPA to try. Uh, <laughs> I feel like once you've had about 14 IPAs, like they all taste the same at that point. Uh, so it was nice to have something different. Although I was looking for the Michelob Ultra booth uh, <laughs> to pound some ultras, but I didn't find it. Country Boy is the best they had for the alternative to IPA. So that was my winner. That may be because Country Boy is the best out there. It's a uh, it's a local Kentucky um, brewery. If you guys will remember, it was one of the few that uh, stands that constantly had a line. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Country Boy. Hickman, you actually dabbled in a little bourbon and a little beer. What was your favorite that you tried? Um, I couldn't tell you the name of the brewery, but what or the <laughs> distillery, but that uh, that was the best old fashioned I've ever had, uh, and I didn't get much of it. We were in that long line forever, and maybe people were standing in there because it was air conditioned, but and maybe it was the element of it, but that was fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Also. Uh, now I don't want to steal your answer because that I think I think I know what your answer is. It's probably mine might be the same. But I'll let you, let you go next, Logan. But that was, old fashioned was phenomenal. Yeah, that was uh, smooth. Ambler was the the whiskey oh, there, and that okay. That was a super awesome uh, old fashioned. One of my favorites. Uh, which one were you thinking I was going to pick? I thought you were going to pick the George Dickel ten year. <laughs> I do like George Dickel, but I can't pick that being from Kentucky as my favorite. Um, Okay. I was I was a big was fan of too. it was good. I was a big fan of the country boy. Um, honestly, my favorite thing I had was this uh, bourbon barrel sriracha. Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff was was heck of good. Um, but if you guys had a friend that wanted to go to the beer, bourbon, and barbecue festival next year, what would you recommend to somebody going for the first time? Uh, I would say hydrate. Um, <laughs> before uh, during and after yeah yeah hydrate plenty pace yourself um eat a good lunch and give you a, a buffer zone between when you have to be responsible and when you leave the events <laughs> i think those are all all good good recommendations chris any other highlights you wanted to mention I, I seem to remember one person on this podcast laying down on his back in front of the stage, throwing his legs in the air like a damn fool. I did not no throw names. my legs in the air. No names like who that was. I mean, that person did not throw their legs in the air. I, I think I have uh, photographic evidence of said person laying with their legs in the air. Fake news. Um, that was a highlight. There was this guy in a white hat that knew every single... Uh, Every single song the band played, and he was dancing like a fool, like there was nobody watching. Uh, that was that was just a great people watching moment. Uh, and if I had any advice for anybody that goes to it, I would say uh, don't wait in line. Just go find an empty booth, try whatever they have, and enjoy it. Uh, yeah. As far as Hickman's moderation or try to be responsible, uh, you're going to an alcohol festival. Uh, what the hell do you expect? So. You gotta no, get your no, no. money's worth. 
Yes, but I'm saying pace yourself in between when you. Well, yeah, that's gonna happen. Give yourself a buffer zone between when you have to see your kids and your 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 wife. That's why you just I don't did not do it. Kids on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There. Well, let's. We're gonna move into our next segment here. We're gonna move into our our lightning round. We're gonna have a couple of quick hitters coming up here. First one I want to mention, did you guys see uh, Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner, mention the idea that the Pac-12 has decided they want to look into playing football games at 9 a.m.? Yeah. Good, that's, good idea or bad idea, Chris? Larry Scott could be the worst commissioner <laughs> in college athletics. Oh, there's no could um, be about among it. Among the Power Five. <laughs> and he might even go lower than that. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this one. Uh, How early... How early are there walkthroughs for a 9 a.m. kickoff, Chris? Oh, man, you're, you're four hours, but you're having a 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> what, what are you doing? The chicken parm and chicken alfredo at 5 a.m.? Uh, I mean, I, I would have loved to have been like a fly in Mike Leach's office as he oh. heard this news because I could just see the profanities just, just belting out against the wall at this idea. Uh, I mean, their solution to better... Uh, Media coverage is just better play. Uh, the Pac-12's garbage right now. Uh, it kind of goes as USC goes, and USC is about to fire their coach after this year. So I don't yeah. think 9 a.m. is the answer. Yeah. Now you say it's about better football, but I got to be honest. Like I, when it first came out, I thought, well, there's no way I'm waking up at 9 a.m. to watch football. But we have a good friend. Uh, my college roommate lives out in Las Vegas. And when you're in Vegas and you get to wake up on a, uh, a Sunday morning and no matter what time you wake up, pretty much there's football on the TV. That's pretty awesome. So I do think I would watch much more Pac-12 football at 9 a.m. on a Saturday than I would at 12, 1230, uh, you know, at Sunday morning, um, super late on Saturday night. But Hickman, if you were if you were playing and you just you looked at the schedule and realized you got to play a couple of nine a.m. kickoffs, what's the first thought going through your head? Oh, uh, that we're gonna lose or I'm gonna suck. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, terrible, terrible idea. It's the the fans don't want to be up then. The play, I mean that and that's not that's far from your biggest concern. The big thing is, is your players and your coaches and and, and all that good stuff. It's not going to go well. It's a dumpster fire. It's if you're making a move like that, it's got to. I don't know who it benefits. That's what I can't figure out. I mean, I, I suppose you're trying to find the untapped market, open time slot, or whatever. But I, you're going to be competing with what the uh, the noon Big Ten game. I, I don't get it. It's it's not but, smart. But I do wonder though. Let's say there's a pact. Let's say it's Oregon and Washington are playing a kickoff at nine o'clock. So, you know, at 1130, 12 o'clock, they're ending the fourth quarter. Are you going to tune in to the kickoff of the CBS game at noon? Or is there any chance you're watching the end of a Pac-12 game that's close? I'm definitely watching the end of a Pac-12 game. If that's, well, depending on the, well, okay, depends on the people. I think that goes back to your point that the teams have to be good. I'm not watching two middle of the pack teams if it's usc and oregon and they're both decent sure but you know my attention will quickly go to something else yeah chris we had the uh, mlb trade deadline yesterday give us a quick run through and by quick run through i mean 
myself and Hickman uh, think baseball is a dying sport. And Boring. <laughs> so you have one minute to give us a trade deadline run through now. Okay, here goes. Winners are the Houston Astros and Atlanta Braves. They both uh, improved their teams. I would say the Astros are by far the favorite to win the World Series this year. The Braves, uh, they inched a lot closer to Los Angeles in the National League. Uh, the losers would be any team looking for a starting pitcher that's in the race because for some asinine reason, the Cincinnati Reds and New York Mets decided, hey, we need to add a starting pitcher, even though they're below 500 right now. Couldn't figure that one out. Uh, other losers are the rest. Uh, the Dodgers did nothing. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, the Yankees and Red Sox did the same. I don't know if they just looked at the Dodgers and looked at the Astros and are like, hey, we're not competing. Let's not give any prospects up. But it was a weird trade deadline where there wasn't much happening. But Houston and Atlanta uh, really improved their teams this year. There you go. Well, well done. Hickman, who's, right. the best, who's the best team in baseball right now? Braves. No question. <laughs> and the worst team? The Red Sox. Chris, how do you do? He's 0 for 2 on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know the Red Sox are probably decent. The worst is what? Like the okay, No, the Dodgers are the best, right? Uh, I would say the Astros after today. Okay. Well, uh, let's the worst talk. Team, the worst team is the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Well, let's talk about some baseball stories that people actually care about out there in podcast land. Did you guys see... First time in the history of baseball. Baseball's been around for, what, 150 million years, Chris? I think they're celebrating their 150th anniversary this year. Ooh, I was close. Uh, off by a few million years there. Uh, first time in the history of baseball, a position player, um, somebody not a pitcher, recorded a save. Uh, this, this Orioles outfielder, I don't even know what his name was, but came in in a two-run game in 14 pitches, was able to retire – um, the batters in the bottom of the ninth. If you guys didn't see wow. it, he never threw a pitch faster than 60 miles an hour, which leads me to think, Chris, any chance you could have gone in there and recorded that save? Uh, chance, yes. Likelihood, not very, not very good. <laughs> Why could Major League Baseball players not get a hit off a guy throwing 55 mile an hour lobs? Um, think of it like the home run derby. Uh, oh, yeah, where people hit home runs all the time. That's a good analogy. Uh, and also people hit outs all the time. <laughs> they don't hit it out every time. So, uh, But they uh, do one out of 14. I'm just saying. That's what, that's what it is. Is Baseball's hard. It's hard to hit, especially if you're used to seeing 95 adjust into the 55-mile-an-hour whatever he was throwing. Uh, it's just different. It throws your timing off uh, by a lot. And Okay, well, so that works. makes me wonder then. Why don't why don't teams do this more often? Bring in some first baseman who's throwing forty five mile an hour sleepers in there. Yeah, it's not going to work that often. Well, clearly it's never worked in the history. But I'm just saying, if you're saying it throws them off, it's worth a shot every now and then. Hickman, I agree to disagree. If a pitcher has to keep the ball under sixty miles an hour, you have oh. fourteen pitches come across the plate. How many can you hit? Uh, make contact or put in the field of play. In the field of play. One. No, oh. <laughs> wow. we got to we got to find us a batting cage. I want to see this. <laughs> one under fifty, under sixty miles an hour. Yeah, I can hit one. Oh man, only one. <laughs> well, you yeah. realize ten year olds throw faster than that. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, so I could hit several. I'm really bad though. You remember softball? That's a fact. Unfortunately, yeah. I do. That was probably uh, the strongest part of my game though. 
Well, the last baseball story I ever want to talk about on this podcast. Did you guys see Trevor Bauer? Uh, he's a pitcher, was getting ready to get pulled from the game. And as the coach starts walking out, he takes the ball from the mound and chucks it over the center field fence so the manager uh, couldn't take the ball out of his hands. Chris, why is it that baseball players seem to get away with throwing tantrums all the time? Uh, I don't, I don't really know, but it's probably because it's such a boring sport to the casual person. It just brings some entertainment and uh, adds a few eyeballs to the to the sport that's quote unquote dying. Well, it must not be good because uh, did he get traded? He did get traded, <laughs> but I mean, he was on the trade block heading into the chucking the ball over the center. That's a, that's an impressive feat from center field. Like I not thought much so of a too. Crow hop, just just chucked it. Yeah, um, after favorite, he, I mean, his arm was obviously worn out because he was getting pulled from the game. I was thinking the same thing. I, I like the center fielder's reaction of when he saw the ball land, he turned around and was like, what the heck was that? <laughs> now, have you guys ever seen a bigger or what's the craziest tantrum you've ever seen in sports? I mean, aside from the malice at the palace, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's that's the first thing that come, comes to mind. There was, I'll Maybe tell you guys. John McEnroe? Oh yeah, going nuts with the racket. That was there was crazy. there was one time in high school I was at a small track meet that I should have won, and I was uh, in the high jump and I did not win the high jump and I should have. And so my last jump when I hit the bar, I stood up and I tried. I wanted to break the bar over my leg, but I knew I wasn't strong enough to physically do that at 170 pounds. So I just took the high jump bar and just chucked it into the trees. <laughs> <laughs> my. Uh, uh, needless to say, Daddy Ott, my father, was not too uh, too pleased about that one. Um, but I didn't know what else to do. I was going to break it over my knee and look like a fool, so I just chucked it across the track into the into the forest. Is there a video of this somewhere in existence? I can only hope not. All right, boys, we're going to finish up this lightning round with a couple quick hitters. First, I don't know if you guys saw... Um, there's a police force in Arizona who has decided they're going to start pulling people over for good driving. Um, and as a result of this, they're going to hand you a coupon um, for a uh, might as well be a uh, 7-Eleven Slurpee or something like that. Are you guys OK with police pulling you over for good driving? Absolutely not. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, how is this even like legal? It's, I don't understand it. It's a waste of so much time for all parties involved. If I'm going to get pulled over for any reason and, and it to be something congratulatory, I better be getting a check with a comma in it. I'm not interested in anything else. <laughs> I mean, is there anything a police officer can do when they pull you over to make you feel good when you, when you leave? Unless I did something illegal and got away with it. No. Chris, is there anything you would want the cop to hand you when he pulled you over to make you feel good about your driving habits? Uh, maybe an ice cold Michelob Ultra. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, when I heard this, I was just like, is this real life? Like, I mean, when I when I typically get in my car and drive somewhere, like I'm on a plan. I have an agenda to get to point, from point A right. to point B in a certain time. Like, I don't want somebody being like, hey, good job. Way to drive safe. <laughs> like there would be some colorful word, colorful words. I I might get arrested if the cop did that. I uh, I had an issue one time in high school. I was driving uh, in my little small town in Kentucky, and a police officer pulled me over. And so I pull over to the side on the highway, and he pulls in behind me, and then slowly passes me and like stares at me. So I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? So that I pull back out in the road. I'm going less than a mile away. 
cop, same cop pulls me over again, uh, does the exact same thing, pulls in behind me, then slowly passes me, just staring me down. And so at this point, I'm trying to figure out what, is this a real cop? I mean, have I watched too many movies? What's going on? So finally, a third time, once we get in town, same cop pulls me over. This time he gets out of his car and says, hey, just want to let you know, we're looking for a, for a car that's kind of like yours, but that's not yours. Um, so I just want to let you know, that's why I keep pulling you over. <laughs> thought, well, buddy, you could have just not pulled me over after the first one and just let me go. So I, I don't understand how they how this is legal, how they're getting by with this, but it seems like a terrible idea. Another terrible idea uh, here in Knoxville, school starts next week. Uh, we've had a couple school districts around here that have started um, already. Are you guys okay with school starting before? I mean, forget Labor Day, but we're talking we're not even in August yet, and some schools have started. I remember when I was in high school, there was always a talk that, oh, eventually you're going to go to year-round school, and that sounded uh, effectively like a death sentence at the time when I was hearing those things. But the, the way they do it, if they do six weeks on, three weeks off, some, something like that, my sister's kids do that. And actually, that sounds pretty great. So if it's in the right system, yeah, I'm good with it. Chris, you don't have any school-age kids. How do you feel about school starting in July? Always been a traditionalist, and August has been when I start school. July just seems way too early. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I go with August. That's that's my go-to. So I would, it's at least I would a week too early. Yeah, I would, I would go with July with uh, Labor Day if I had my my druthers. I feel like you know, even like in high school basketball prospects, somehow they can just skip forward a year randomly if they decide they want to reclassify. Um, I think I was like my halfway through my junior year. My guidance counselor was like, well, you've taken all the mandatory classes, so now what do you want to do? I feel like we find a way to waste a lot of time. Surely we can find a way to give the kids an extra week or two of school. But that does it for our lightning round. We're going to end every show with our pick segment. Uh, We call this pick segment Picking and Grinning. Brought to you by the Agave Brothers cover band of Charlotte, North Carolina, to see their schedule of appearances or to add them to your event, restaurant, or venue needs. Uh, if they ever need a live band, feel free to hit them up on their Facebook page at the Agave Brothers. Hickey, we're going to start with you. What are you using to get rich this week? I have I have one pick, and so if it's this time of year, uh, I'm all in on football and basketball for picks, so I'm just taking stabs at stuff okay that, that, that's what it is i'm going big or, or nothing so this week for the Wyndham championship in golf obviously you got a lot of like b-list golfers that are in it however i'm gonna take jason duffner at 80 to 1 <laughs> i'm gonna get rich boys 80 to 1 for jason duffner that's 80 that's to 1 pick. to win it yep that's my pick has duffner won an event this year i I, I, I highly doubt it. I know he. I know that Jason Duffner won a major, and he's kind of fat, so I'm in. <laughs> Chris, how are you getting rich this week? It's a uh, football season, so we got to go with the first game of the season. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos minus two and a half against the Atlanta Falcons in the Hall of Fame game. Ooh, I like it. Tomorrow night, um, I was going to pick the same, so to be different. The over-under for that game's 34-and-a-half. Give me the under all day long. Under for preseason games. You mean the four stringers aren't going to score points? (laughs) 
<laughs> Fourth stringers aren't going to score. It's the first preseason game, so the first stringers aren't going to score. They're probably not even going to play. Uh, you do have the Broncos with a new head coach who may go out there and try to prove something. Um, but I can't imagine he's had enough time to instill much of a system with these guys. So I'm definitely taking taking the under. I would also take the Broncos at minus two and a half. All right. Well, that's it for this week's um, Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast. Um, you can hit us up on the on the Twitter machine if you have any comments or want to reach out to us. Uh, we'll plan on doing this uh, once a week podcast. Should be posted every Thursday. And look forward to uh, to getting back at it next week. Gentlemen, it's been fun. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening.